You know the story about the important business executive who boarded a train. It went from New Orleans all the way through several states, all the way up to Washington, D.C., and he knew of himself to be a heavy sleeper. He had a very important meeting in Atlanta, Georgia, so he begged the porter, wake me up, wake me up at 5 a.m. and make sure that I get off in Atlanta. Now you need to know, said the man, that I might fret and fuss and fume and cuss, but you have to get me off this train in Atlanta, even if you have to bodily remove me and set me off. Well, the next morning, the man woke up about 9 o'clock. He slept all the way through. He missed his Atlanta stop, and he found that he was speeding toward Washington, D.C., and he located the porter, and he poured out all kind of abusive language, almost attacking the poor man bodily so... And after he left, someone said, how could you sit there and take that kind of talk from that man? The porter said, well, that ain't nothing. You should have heard the guy that I put off the train way back in Atlanta, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've always been so fond of that story because it, it reminds us of something. That being on the right train headed in the right direction doesn't always mean that you get to where you go. There's a certain level of personal corporate even responsibility when handling the good news, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I think the way that I've been processing that is I don't want us to be so familiar with these resurrection stories that we miss the, the good news, the living word of Jesus Christ. Because Easter morning resurrection was the story that changed human history, but that was just the beginning to this miraculous journey. One of the greatest hymns of Easter, one of the greatest hymns ever written, is found on page 364 in our United Methodist hymnal, but it wasn't written by Charles Wesley or Isaac Watts. The hymn is Because He Lives. It's written by Bill and Gloria Gaither, and you know that every story, uh, every great story tells a story of someone else's life. And so Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote this magnificent hymn during a very tumultuous time in our country. We were in complete turmoil. And I ran across an article uh, this week that Gloria Gaith the Gaither gave, and she said, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, and all of this hymn uh, writing came during the upheaval of the 60s, and it was during a time when they were expecting their third child. The drug culture was in full swing. The God is not dead movement was, was underway in the education system. Bill and, and she were having some personal problems, some family challenges. They just felt so bombarded on, on every single side of life. And she said it was on New Year's Eve that she sat alone in the darkness and the quiet of their living room thinking about the world, thinking about how discouraged Bill was. He had been battling mono, thinking about their family problems, and then thinking about their unborn child. And she asked a very poignant question. Who in their right mind would bring a child into a world like this? It's so evil and the influences are so strong. And she said, in that very moment, she couldn't explain it, but in that very moment, she felt this this release, like there was something about the honesty of that kind of a prayer. The panic had begun uh, to give way to this calm assurance 
this presence of the Spirit that fell over her life. So fear began to decrease and joy began to increase, she said. She said, I knew I could have a baby and face the future with optimism and trust. And then she had this line. I love this line. She said, it was life conquering death in the regularity of my day. That moment was life conquering death. It was a resurrection moment. And it happened in the regularity of her day. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to miss the power of resurrection and the presence of Jesus walking among us because we're so blinded by all that bombards our life externally, maybe even internally. We miss Jesus in the regularity of life. From that uh, particular experience came that wonderful stanza, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still, the calm assurance this child can face on certain days because what? He lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. When Gloria Gaither asks what will happen to this child, what she's really asking is what will the future hold? That's her question. What lies ahead? It's during that same tumultuous time in America that civil rights leader Ralph, Ralph Abernathy testified to his own assurance. He says, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen? Where are we going during these strange times of uncertainty? What does your pathway look like as you navigate the fear of the future or as you decide, as I'm trying to do, what is real news and what is fake news? Well, here's where I land in all of that. I land with a third way. Jesus gave us good news. How about that? A way forward is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that's happening all around us because the truth is we're all on an Emmaus Road journey. The question is, can we see life conquering death in the regularity of each day? Do we see Jesus revealed by the work of those hands that made 3,000 cookies for medical workers? Do you hear the voice of Jesus revealed in your most recent Zoom call, <laughs> right? Do we recognize Jesus? You've seen the, the images coming out of hospitals and ERs and the, the scarring and the blistering from medical workers who are wearing this protective gear all day long. Do you see Jesus revealed in those wounds too? It's kind of easy to criticize these two friends making their Emmaus Road journey, this familiar pathway, apparently, to Emmaus, it, it's easy to criticize them for not having more faith or for not having more sight. Last, year, last week, we talked about seeing as well. Caravaggio painted this tremendous picture, this painting of Thomas, whom he depicted as being blind. Thomas said, unless I see, was he talking about his eyesight or was he talking about his faith sight? Unless I see the marks, I will not believe. And so we label Thomas for doubting in that way. But here's two guys with a lot of faith, but the inability to see with whom they are traveling. Their vision is fine, they just can't see. And so it's easy to say from our vantage point, open your eyes, you fools. <laughs> but then I ask about my own resurrection faith and my own Emmaus Road story. 
the lives of all of us find their way on these Emmaus paths? Do we see the risen Christ in the regularity of life even now? This Emmaus Road experience, it, it mesmerizes me. I've poured myself into it. I've allowed it to pour over my, my own life. And in our resurrection window back here, we have Luke de depicted. I'll be posting that on social media later uh, today or this week. And he has a palette at the base because Luke is the patron saint uh, of the arts. What is Luke trying to paint us when he tells about an Easter story with two travelers who do not recognize Jesus maybe because of their uncertainty and their fear, their anxiety, maybe a sense of, of hopelessness. If you have your Bible right now, what I would encourage you to do in the margin is, is write down this, that amid all of our uncertainty on Emmaus Road, that's when Jesus shows up. That's precisely when Jesus shows up to reveal who he is and the access that we can have to God, not just in the afterlife, but the present life, here and now. This Emmaus Road is it's an archetype. To be clear, I, I clearly, I obviously believe that this story happened. It's one of the, the primary reasons that we have a faith in Jesus Christ in Easter now because these eyewitness accounts. But this resurrection, it, it transcends time and space, meaning we all find our way on this Emmaus path every now and then because it's a road of worry and it's a road of revelation that somehow tucked beneath the sound of leather sandals slapping the well-worn pathway of worry, somewhere between the certainty of Easter and the celebration and the trumpets and the Easter lilies and the seersucker, between that and the uncertainty or the regularity of, of everyday life, somewhere along the road of redemption where two friends are holding on to a story more tightly than they are their own possessions, somewhere amid all of that is the great Easter revelation that we are never, ever alone. This word, Emmaus, it only appears once in the Bible. It's right here. Uh, unless you have an, an apocrypha, that's the, the middle part of, of the, the Bible that uh, is part of the Catholic Church, but it, it bridges that gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's the apocryphal writings. And there's a story there in 1 Maccabees, and here's the short version. The Jewish people, comprised of about 3,000, were up against a great... Uh, Syrian army, the Seleucids, they were about 5,000 people, and there was a battle at Emmaus. The Jewish leader, Judah Maccabeus, was quite significant. That story, about 166 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, the Hanukkah story from that same period, that same Maccabean revolt period, shows that God's people can overcome incredible odds to defeat the certainty of death by using an element of surprise. That's what happened 166 years before Jesus at Emmaus. The certainty of death was overcome by the element of surprise. This word Emmaus, it means hot or heat or, or hotness. And so Luke paints this picture and he has this line that says, we're, not, we're our hearts not burning? Were they not on fire within us while Jesus was walking and talking with us? So I like to think that Luke shares this story, this Emmaus story of resurrection because the disciples might have felt like their faith was getting a little cold. 
But with each step, they're getting a little bit warmer. There's an element of surprise awaiting death and doubt and fear and anxiety in Emmaus once again. Life continues to conquer death with regularity along the pathway of our Emmauses in life. The surprise this time will be the revelation that Jesus Christ has overcome the certainty of death and is made known in the most surprising ways like cultural hospitality through the breaking of bread, the sharing of, of a cup, the stories shared between friends. It's fascinating, this backstory, is it not? So the truth is that we all walk the Emmaus Road from time to time. But there's a line in this story where I think disciples need to get off the train for a minute and sit with something that these travelers long before us said. I hope you didn't miss that line. It said, we had hoped Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. In the Greek, it says their eyes were, were bound, that is held, prevented from, uh, from seeing Jesus. It's the second resurrection account where we, we, we read about things being held. Last week, Jesus said, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. But if you hold on to them or bind them, they are retained. And here again in another resurrection appearance story, we have the same Greek word, to hold. Because resurrection is about seeing. But it's also about giving up or loosening what is bound, as in our inability to dream can prevent us from seeing the future, for example. I've been wondering, when we come back here together, are we stepping back into the past? Are we moving forward into the future? Where and how will we see and hear God among us? What will be bound and loosed? Resurrection has the ability to unbind the blinding fears and the anxieties associated when the future, when we are willing to say we had hoped. We had hoped, I had hoped, sports would be playing by now, right? And in some strange turn of events, the NFL draft has united everybody in this country. Now, I've never watched uh, an NFL draft in my life, but this year I found myself saying, there is a God. Sports go on, right? We had hoped that hair salons would be considered essential by this point, but alas, our hair continues to darken and to tangle and to grow. For some of us, that is good news indeed. More deeply, about this Emmaus road traveling. I'm thinking about people I've talked to the last couple of weeks who have said, we've hoped to see our family member before she died, but this virus has all visitations on lockdown, and we didn't get to say goodbye. We had hoped. We had hoped everything would would not be lost when the markets crashed. We had saved so much for retirement, we, we had hoped. We'd hoped to be out and back by work, back to work by now. We'd hoped that 
our neighbor's marriage was going to survive all of this isolation. We had hoped that our own would, but we'd hoped. We all have hopes and about the future. We all should have a faith claim that the power of resurrection right now has something to say about the turbulence in our human stories. I lean into another hymn during times like these because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. But how do we know that? Because through honesty and authenticity, no matter where we've been or really where we are going, what we know or what we wished we knew, life is conquering death in the regularity of our stories right now. This pathway of discipleship, it's, it's a journey, it's a, it's a process. Our own stories so often begin with certainty and they wander into suspicion, maybe even toward abandonment, but hopefully they find their way back to that blessed assurance. And maybe even through the symbols that have shaped us for 2,000 years, the breaking of the bread, the passing of the cup, the sharing of stories, the witness that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, that Christ will come again, that profession of faith that we hold so true to who we are. In those moments, nothing holds back our eyes any longer. We see Christ in our midst, and he's been there all along, really. My New Testament professor, Luke Johnson, says that this story, it's a bridge. It's a perfect bridge from an empty tomb when Jesus appears to his disciples and the place of Emmaus and to where they're going, where he will eventually ascend. The Emmaus Road is the way of the disciple from tomb back into the mission field. The question is, will we see Jesus along the way? And will we have enough faith to believe that the power of resurrection is raising all the dead places in our lives and in our relationships and in our stories and in our communities right this very moment? I believe that about the power of resurrection. Finally, we don't know why these travelers were going to Emmaus. The artist Luke, he leaves that open to our imagination. Maybe they were heading home after the Passover. Maybe, maybe it was a business trip. Maybe it was an escape route to get, from all, uh, get away from all that they had just witnessed in Jerusalem. Maybe the Emmaus Road is a lifeline between our faith claims and those with which we struggle to believe. And we find Jesus somewhere in that space and in that tension. Or maybe it's another road to anywhere but here, where we are right now. And I think in those moments, I think in those very moments of sharing our story, of being vulnerable, of having enough faith to take one step at a time, not knowing what the future even holds, that Jesus shows up and says on many occasions, hey, you've been down this road before. Why don't we try something new? Because Easter is not a lone event fixed in time that ended 2,000 years ago. It's our future. Easter stretches out its hand and says, let's walk this road into the future together. And the power of resurrection and the story, uh, ongoing story of resurrection reminds us that Easter is never a private event either. It's always where two or three people are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they have on their traveling story, 
something that burns from deep within. We're having some Emmaus moments right now as we journey through these trying times. But just think, in a few weeks, our hearts will be burning with joy when our Emmaus roads lead us here. And we'll tell the old, old stories of faith again. We'll see one another face to face and we'll know that we're looking at the very face of God in one another. We'll gather around a common table just like previous Emmaus Road travelers have done. And in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, it will be revealed that Christ is among us, that Christ is alive, that Christ is coming again, that Christ goes ahead of us. And no matter how anxious or fearful or doubtful or uncertain the future is, we are not alone. I want you to do something as we prepare to close worship today, whether maybe you have somebody there with you, you want to grab their hand right around your monitor, your screen, take that hand right now. If you're not able to do that, like us here in the, in the choir, uh, just grab, grab your hand right now because I want to have a prayer for us together as we take these next steps down this Emmaus Road journey and, and find the risen Christ among us. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as certain as we have our own hand or someone else's hand in ours, this, this very moment, remind us that you are with us. We are walking this road toward the future, toward uncertainty. But if we look around, we see that Christ is always among us, making things new. And we want to continue to be a part of that redemption story. So help us to keep walking together to continue sharing our stories, to anticipate the day when our Emmaus roads will lead us here together where you will be made known through resurrection and its power. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.